0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A young Muslim woman runs away from her aunt and uncle's house, desperate for a new life, but Quickly finds she must survive on the street. A disturbed young man from Coney Island dons a menacing funny face mask, transforming himself into a makeshift superhero with a rage disorder as he seeks revenge on the real estate developers of a soulless high rise that has displaced his grandparents. The film is called funny face and it's a remarkable narrative film in the great tradition of some of his other work and that's tim sutton and that would be memphis and dark Knight, and this is certainly in that in that realm so i want to welcome back to the program writer director tim sutton Tim, thanks for
1: having me back
0: oh you're very welcome uh yeah this is your third appearance and i, I don't know maybe you just had a kind of a lapse in judgment here but i'm so happy you came back <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the origin for uh, and the inspiration for uh, Funny Face. Well,
1: sure. I mean, I, I, listen, I've lived in New York for almost 25 years and never made a New York movie. Um, whether that was just financially impossible or logistically impossible, or I wasn't creatively ready to do it, and and I I really really wanted to make the right movie at the right time. Um, I, I try and do that with all my films, and and I think I was finally ready to make a a New York movie, uh, I just needed the specific vehicle. And that vehicle came to me in 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 three different ways. One, it came to me in the Coney Island mask, the mask that Saul wears. I wanted to have something, a visual that was so iconic that if you had that on the poster and no title, people would know where it comes from. Yeah. And I think that that symbolizes Coney Island, it symbolizes New York, but it symbolizes old New York. You know what I mean? And And the other thing that got me going is, You know, New York being here for for 25 years, like I've seen the changes. I've seen a lot of the changes. I've seen it go from this place where I came as a young, young kid who wanted to be an artist, like lots of millions of others. And, and yet struggle to be able to support yourself with doing that because it's really a town for, for the wealthy. And it's gotten more and more and more that way, pushing out the, the bodegas and building the glass towers. And, and so I wanted to tell a mo- I wanted to make a movie about that, but I, I'm not a social issue documentarian. Like I didn't want it to be that kind of movie, a movie about gentrification. I wanted it to be a New York movie that stood up to Taxi Driver or Bad Lieutenant or Requiem for a Dream. These these iconic New York movies, and so I found the mask as the vehicle to make something that was both, both uh, about vengeance and 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 but also about kind of exploration and discovery down each kind of dark street.
0: And key to that is the development of the two main characters. Saul and Sama are the two main characters. What, did, what were you hoping to kind of, in terms of creating those two characters, before you answer that, I've heard this from other directors, other writers, and that is that oftentimes you have something in mind for a character, and in this case, two characters, but as you write it, or as you make the film, they evolve in some way that you hadn't even anticipated. It's a matter of circumstance. How did they sure. evolve?
1: In this case, I mean, the, these this was really on the page, unlike my other films, which I think are built more kind of scene by scene within the making of the film. The, this was really on the page and and needed the right actors to, to kind of fill it out. I wanted two outs. I wanted an odd couple that at first glimpse, you're like these guys have nothing in common. And then actually the closer you get and the the more you see right down to their, their own, they're both wearing masks when they meet, you know, they're, they're, there's everything about them that is actually their mirrors to each other. So a friendship develops where it's actually a very likely friendship. And that's what it is in New York. You walk down the street, there's a guy across the street, this old, this old Italian guy who always says, Hey, how you doing? Every time I see him, he's completely different from me, but yet at the same time, I'm walking down the street too, saying, "Hey, how you doing?" Like I'm just a younger version of that guy. So I, I think un- uncanny friendships develop, and I learned about that in actually in Memphis more than New York. But but I do think New York is filled with these these characters, these characters who are a lot more alike than they think. I wrote Saul as kind of you know one of the Ramones who who never made it you know what i mean like the ramon you never heard of because he didn't make the band right right so a guy a, a, and and someone who's old school brooklyn to almost to uh, the point of 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 caricature um and i think what what cosmo jarvis did was really just take that as far as he could while still creating a, a really real person a very vulnerable person a very angry person and a person who's who's filled with longing he just happens to kind of look like he's out of a Richard Price, early Richard Price novel, you know, and look and sound. I wanted him to be kind of an old New York Jew. Uh, I I identify as as a, a New York Jew myself. And I wanted to be able to have at least part of the story feel very much authentically mine, like I could tell that story politically and be okay. Because I knew I wanted the female character to be Zama, of uh, a Muslim uh, woman who I know, you know, that's not my culture. And I wanted to tell the story with respect, but it was really important to me to tell a story of difference. If I had to tell stories just about white middle-aged guys my entire career, it'd be very boring to me. So I, I'm out there looking for stories and looking to get to understand people through those stories. But it was very important that Della, who played Zama, completely made the character her own and completely she took the character into her past and into her home and into her, what her parents expected of her and what her aunts and uncles expected of her and really developed the character much off much more off the page than Cosmo who who did much more of a a great kind of shakespearean interpretation and just made the words on the script his own
0: one of the things in terms of the development of the characters as we get to know them and you've done this in Dark Knight and in Memphis as well, is you give your characters in the story what I call time to breathe. And this is, I think, one of the great things about film and filmmaking and storytelling in film, and and that is it's up to the director, it's up to the editor, it's up to this collaborative effort. But at the same time, you, you, you have these quiet times. And if you're watching a and having this experience watching a film like this, your mind starts to wander into those into those um, quiet times, quiet spaces in a film, yes. and you start putting your own interpretation and expectations into these spaces, and you do this really well. You're one of the best filmmakers that I have seen that is 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 able to do that. So you, in that sort of space, you create expectations and sometimes menace there's there's there is a menace there is an there is a a foreboding if you will sometimes in your characters we're not quite sure and that is like feels like the case here what's going to happen
1: yeah i I mean i i i love that i I do think like filmmaking from you know at its essence is of course time and space um and i think one of the things that's that's important is you can tell an audience a story with quick cuts and 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 they'll 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 see it but if you give them time to become an active participant and and it doesn't mean active participant like I have to concentrate on all this it's an active participant like daydream like daydream yourself project yourself onto the screen so if I give you the time to do that you stop thinking about the movie and you stop thinking about yourself and it all becomes one thing and it becomes kind of more than just an ocular experience. It becomes a physical experience. It becomes an emotional experience. And I think that that has to do with letting your characters breathe the space and letting the audience become those same characters, have the same amount of time as those characters. The menace comes in because your mind is constantly thinking. Maybe I've seen, maybe I've hinted at menace earlier in the film, and there's no menace actually in the in the film, in the actual scene, but it's been kind of woven into your, into your thought process. It's been woven into behind your eyes. So every second, when let's say Saul and Zama are on the roof after they both, both meet kind of walking around each other, not talking much. And you think, my God, he's going to push her off the roof or my God, what the, but it's just two kids getting to know each other. But there is that sense of like, they, they're both, he's wearing a mask. She's up on a roof with him. What it like, who? what's what is going to happen and should we be scared and that's why i love the the process of the movie kind of takes deconstructs that then they have donuts together then they have pizza together then they buy shoes together and you realize no 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 he's not going to hurt her he's 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 going to defend her Uh, but but so the movie kind of it takes time to develop and and the audience has to kind of go with that fear and go with that time and, and that space and some people don't love it some people get bored but the people who do love it really love it and it it can really really do something for them
0: and also i'm i've been sort of obsessed with this uh, idea as well that all of us if you've lived long enough have watched a lot of movies over the course of your lifetime and in that sort of library that that archive that you have within your own mind you've seen these kind of movies where he would push her off the Right. The building, right. so it's sort of it's it's just sort of part of a, a sort of a cinematic interior life that you've you've lived, right? And right? Watching enough film, there are a couple of filmmakers I I want to bring the, these other two filmmakers into uh, the conversation, just in terms of reference for people who are wondering uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, if you've seen any of the early Sean Baker films, which were oh, yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, movie-based. I'm a big
1: i'm a, i'm a I'm a big fan of all his work, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. culminating in Florida Project, which I Forever. think is 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 a masterwork
0: yeah but in his early work prince of broadway sure. uh, you know the other the um take out some of the other ones take out yeah yeah also uh ramin barani his first couple of films were sure um, man, push cart man push cart and, and chop shop both, chop both, both,
1: the, yeah. both excellent both excellent films um i wouldn't say those are the those are films i've watched along the way and and felt like oh this is this is excellent i see people like me like i, I see people with similar vision um and and it's the same thing that I felt when let's say I saw Putty Hill by Matt Porterfield.
0: I was gonna bring him into the conversation. Yeah, this absolutely. You know, yeah, I yeah. mean, he
1: he's definitely he he. You know, he's he makes not all his films are like Putty Hill. Putty Hill, but when I saw Putty Hill and I was editing Pavilion, I was like, oh, there uh, there's voices here that that we're all echoing in the same kind of uh, landscape, and it was it was it was a great thing to experience because it gave me confidence, like to match his voice, to like, to become a peer, if you will. You know, I think it comes originally from the ideas of like the masters, like Gus Van Sant or Bellatar or Antonioni or Tarkovsky, these guys who you you can, or, or uh, Ho uh, Sien, where you can, you can literally kind of daydream and fall asleep even in their scenes. But when you wake up, you've, ex- you feel like you've experienced something like you're, those are the movies you remember. You yeah. know what I mean? Not the, yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, no, that's absolutely I'm sorry I didn't mean to mean you're up. Yeah, but absolutely. No, no. Yeah. But
1: but those films, uh, you know, uh Sean Baker's Rom Barani's and 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 it's interesting how you see the movies that that like Rom just made, uh uh White Tiger, which is a very different kind of movie from from his earlier movies. But you see how, you know, how people develop their voices and and it's it's It really is interesting, but his film, uh, White Tiger even, while not the same kind of language, cinematic language as let's say Chop Shop, still has this kind of, God, you just, I feel like I lived in that car with those people. I feel like I lived in that netted kind of uh, sleeping area with that guy. And he spends enough time in those places that you you still have time to really feel at home in those places.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Exactly what I would. Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. The reason I brought th- those filmmakers into our conversation is because there is a significant body of work that embodies what we're talking about here. And for a, I, for a lot of, I guess, commercial reasons, you you just don't get the platform that should have. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and I think, and I think, this is maybe small comfort but but I just think these these films hold up. That's what I have a lot of what I'm trying to say here hold up because, as you said earlier, it's not just watching a story unfold. It's not just watching these characters interact with one another, but as you as the film goes on, you become an active participant in right. some some on some level.
1: Right. You're living a physical experience that and you don't forget those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. If you're making a movie for the algorithm, which is what you're supposed to do now, your movie is disposable. And I'm not I'm not knocking anybody who gets paid a lot of money to, to make Netflix movies. And I I like some of them, but there is a real formula, there's a real recipe. And the enjoyable thing, for example, when you're cooking is when you're good enough at cooking that you remember the recipe that you want to use, but you start moving away from the recipe and start kind of mixing a recipe or you start mixing five recipes or you start, you put in this new thing and, and then you see where that takes you. And the algorithm doesn't, doesn't want that. The algorithm wants the formula. And while I'm interested in, 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 you know, making something, a language that like you said, is, is unique, is original, is, 30 years from now is gonna still be itself and not gonna be one of one of uh, you know, a million other pieces.
0: Well, let's go back to our conversation about Funny Face. You you mentioned uh, Cosmo Jarvis who plays Saul and Della Mescanier uh, who are re- remarkable in that when we first see her on screen, she's walking down the street, maybe not the ex- first first sure. thing, but she's sure. walking down the street, she's got her hajib on and it's blowing in the wind. And for all the world, it could be Batman. It could be a Batman movie you're watching, right? right? right. And I, I was taken with that idea of the kind of the hero, superhero, because Saul has aspirations of being his own version of the Dark Knight, if right. you will. Right.
1: Yeah. They,
0: and yeah. They're both.
1: They're both superheroes. Yeah. They're both
0: sure. superheroes. I love that. And as they get to know each other they become not only close, but also almost telepathic with one another, which mm-hmm. I, th- I found really an interesting part of their, their development. In terms of developing this story, because this is where the New York part of the, the film really kicks in, which is this hyper development of New York, parts of yeah. New York. And I know this, it, it's not a political polemic. But at the same time, it is the reality of not only New York, but so many major American and major cities around the world, which is right. development, people come in, buy apartments, never live in them. They drive right. up the cost for everybody else involved. And it becomes this increasing uh, situation of the the haves and the have nots. Right, And that's certainly a part of this.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that that's a major part of the movie. I do think like these spaces, these these high rises that you one day I kind of looked around on a bike ride and I just I started counting glass buildings in development. And it was just it was it was unfathomable to me, like the entire Williamsburg waterfront had turned into a banker's paradise in Long Island City. And listen, I'm all for affordable housing if that's what you're building, but that's not what you're building. You're building investments, and, and you're taking away in in that way, like the culture. You're you're destroying these fringes of, of of society, and that's New York has always been about all those things, good and bad, rich and poor, high and low. Like Saul says in the movie, so it was really important to make a movie and be on the side that I'm on, like, I'm not an observer in this movie. I'm an active participant. This is my city. I'm, I don't like what they're doing to it. And I wanted to say something about it. But at the same time, I wanted to tell a kind of a, a, a timeless universal tale about like the small guy versus the big guy, you know, the honest versus the crass. They fit together kind of very perfectly. Some people have said, Oh, it's very, it's very one dimensional. There's a bad guy who's rich and there's a good guy who's poor and, and that they're, they're kind of caricatures. Well, a mask falls out of a sky and the guy wears it. You know what I mean? Like it's a comic book movie. It's a graphic novel. Right. Right. It's just, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like Robert Downey Jr. And Iron Man because I wanted to feel punk rock. I wanted it to feel like a DIY version, kind of bring the superhero movie back to the outer boroughs and, which is where they started. I mean, Peter Parker is from Queens. That's right. know, the guys who invented Superman are from Brooklyn. I wanted them to kind of come home and represent at home instead of this kind of glossy machine that that they've
0: become. One of minor listeners, we're speaking with Tim Sutton. He is the writer and the director of the new film Funny Face. What's the website? Where can people go to find out more about the film?
1: The Film is being released by Gravitas Ventures, and okay. it's on it's on i There's a page on iTunes and Google Play and. I mean, I think the key, I think if you want to learn about the film, Google funny face Tim Sutton, then you're going to get a bunch of reviews, good or bad
0: how much do you uh, take from a good review, bad review? Do you, do you read them? Do you, do, how does it, do, sort of- I, I do read them, you know, listen, before I was a filmmaker, I,
1: I, I wanted to be a film critic. I, I totally like subscribed to the Godard and Truffaut school of writing for Calle du Cinema and then becoming filmmakers. I didn't do that, but I've always taken film criticism very seriously. And I think good film critics really not just explain a film, but can, can position a film in the landscape and give it, weight that it deserves cultural weight that it deserves and i think film critics can also be can be very petty and 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 destroy things for no reason other than they're in a bad mood so uh good reviews bad reviews Uh, listen, listen i if you don't love the film that's one thing like i can take criticism but what i like is if the writer understands the film and then has something intelligent to say about it even if it's a takedown if you're not saying something intelligent about it, then I don't, it's like, why bother? Like go write something about a film that you know, that you understand. But you know, it's like, I go on Letterbox. Sometimes it's funny to just see people who are like boring, you know, like, you know, everybody has an opinion. I mean, if, if you're making films, I used to have a thinner skin than I do now. How's that? Like yeah. my my skin is, is thicker and I kind of enjoy all of
0: it at this point. Just sort of bring it all full circle. Your films have won a number of awards. They've been uh, uh, received accolades at some of the finest uh, film festivals in the world, Berlinale and others. I do want to ask you because I did see this in an article. Just as I was doing a little research on sure. on the film and on you, uh, you mentioned some of your favorite films because okay. you did turn me on to one. I'm gonna I have to watch now, uh, the childhood of a leader. You mentioned. Oh, uh,
1: that's a masterpiece.
0: And that's, I've been trying to track it down. I went to Canopy. It's not, oh, there, yeah. Right? I don't know
1: where. I, I mean, IFC releases it. You, I mean, you should try and like contact them uh, directly. Brady Corbet. it's his first feature. It's right. like, it's like as if Sakharov made the movie or something. I mean, he just, he, he, he made something really spectacular. And again, completely in a language all his own. You know, it it does not feel like the movie of a 27 year old first timer. It feels like the the hand of a master and and it's period and it was done in in Hungary and, and was the score was just mind blowing. He, he really knows what he's doing. That's a great movie.
0: Thank you. Because I've seen some of the other ones you mentioned in this one particular article, obviously Casablanca, Passenger, Last Tango in Paris, Gamora, Michael Clayton, which I totally agreed with what you said about it. It is a masterwork. And I, I just absolutely, I mean, I watch it every time I, I have the chance. Every I, time it's on TV, I, yeah. I, I I catch it. It's, I never turn it off. I'm the same way because it's this is maybe too far, maybe a stretch to say it this way. But sometimes things that are really popular, although I don't know, Michael Clayton actually fits into the realm of a super popular film. Right. But I'm fond of saying, you know, sometimes things that are very, very popular are also really, really good. Oh yeah that does, doesn't necessarily negate their greatness. Oh yeah, I mean a million people bought an album, right? It,
1: it, no, it it, it, <laughs> it, it it it's like sometimes it can mean it's saccharine or it's easy, but like I mean Moonlight's a f- a phenomenal film and everybody loves it and what's not to love? I mean if if Moonlight can can kind of cross over into this world of mainstream filmmaking, it's an intelligent, creative, very very abstract movie in certain ways. Uh is extremely popular so uh I, I i i think you're right like michael clayton is one of those movies george clooney makes it more popular probably but but it's one of those movies that's all you you're right it doesn't have to be this obscure antonioni movie to be great it can there's greatness in all different kinds of cinematic language
0: I want to talk about the technical side, and I, okay, the film is, looks great, Uh, your cinematography uh, in all your films is really uh, exceptional, and this Mm -hmm. one certainly is that, Your, your work here with Lucas Gath is terrific, talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Uh, Lucas Gath is uh, uh, an Argentine, uh, and he's a great cinematographer. He has does started in documentary and then started working with uh, kind of the B-cam for Luca Guadagnino, who did um, Call Me By Your Name. He was ready to kind of take control of, it, of, of uh, his own uh, feature. And, and what, what really struck me about him is his sense of color and his sense of this kind of uh, inner life between gritty and, and beauty. Mm -hmm. And that's the look that I was going for. A little bit of mean streets, but a little bit of American psycho, you know, a little bit of gloss, but, but a little bit of neon, a little bit of cracked sidewalk, you know, a little bit of broken mirror. And Lucas really understood that he could put the camera on his shoulder and run with it. if, If we wanted to, he could light a room with a big lighting package, or he could take one neon light in the street corner and make it work. So he, he really had a sense of, of the landscape. At the same time i wanted someone who wasn't just a regular new york cinematographer it's really important i think to have an outsider's eye for example when i when i made dark knight helen lovar was really important because she had an outsider's eye when i made Donnie brook in ohio i had david angaro from france who had an outside eye and i think that makes a difference i think you pick up new new ideas and you see differently when you're coming when you're a stranger sometimes so lucas had a little bit of experience in new york but really brought a a kind of you know a new sensibility to it certain things were important to me in very very specific frames and other times we would kind of work and kind of get it as it was happening the zama and her family you know we had one thing where you know uh, a kind of wide shot that felt kind of dead and lucas put the camera on his shoulder and started getting in with them and it was like that's that's her family i get it that's her family whereas in saul's life in the uh, in the bodega and the that's all kind of right out of mean streets right you know quick dolly shots and 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 kind of Scorsesian. and and i think lucas has he's a young guy has a great career ahead of him and and i think this is a great showcase of his talent
0: the ability to turn the the familiar into something that looks like it's a, a, a photograph that you would see in a gallery, which is yeah
1: I don't I don't try and make every shot stand alone. I try and make shot work with other shots like you know every shot has has another shot on on its end that it has to work with. but I take the image most seriously of all. I would get rid of all the dialogue that I painstakingly write for the right image. And I think that's what movies are—they are moving images. And so your image has to has to represent how you feel about every shot. With New York, it had to be filled with this mix of of love one moment and rage the next, or, or high one moment and low the next, and pizza one moment and uh, you know pickles the next. It had to kind of ha- it had to breathe New York in an authentic and beautiful way. And that's the most important thing to me. When people say my films look you know are beautiful that's great but when when they say that these the the cinematography takes over and i think that that's important like i don't care about dialogue that much i think it's i think it's story is important but the image image after image after image washing over you that's what you remember more than any any you know clever line of dialogue
0: right for me watching funny face there's there's a lot of uh shots, uh, particularly of um, Sama, uh, well, both of them actually, where they're in, uh, it's sort of a wider shot, a wide shot, and juxtaposing them with the, the skyline. skyline of New York, or or uh, a saw on the roof looking over Coney Island out towards yeah. the ocean, or going to the home. I assume that's his parents' home that, yeah. yeah. And how you know, and then you see the kind of the horizon, the sun, and I just there's a lot of these shots. S- uh, Sama walking down the street with her dark night looking kind of waving mm-hmm. in the wind, and you see the the skyline of New York in front of her. Those are the kinds of images that will resonate with me for long after the film is over. And yeah, that's, yeah, those are the things, and they tell a story. They tell the, the kind of the place of the character in the, in the story. And what the, what the film is in some ways about. So
1: absolutely,
0: the obsession with the Knicks. I, I almost I have to believe that that's something that you share with 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 Saul. I
1: do somewhat, but it's really more my wife to be honest. And my okay. wife is a lifelong New Yorker and a longtime Knicks fan and a longtime sufferer. I'm more recent. I, you know, I am from originally from Syracuse, so Syracuse basketball is my kind of obsession and my disease. But what I knew would work was I knew it worked as as a metaphor. It's authentic in my family, but I knew it worked as a metaphor. I I I knew it worked as this this, this symbol of like a New York that, that was for everybody, you know, that, that could get blown out one minute, but we, you'd still cheer, you'd scream at them and throw your popcorn, but you'd go home and and check the stats and go back the next day, ready, ready for a win. Right. And it just, and and th- the spirit of New York, the energy of New York in the same way that, you know, these pizza places are these these delis they go to like that that it felt it feels alive and the Knicks no matter what, like that is what that's the that's the kind of the lifeblood of the film. Yeah, when you hear them on the the, the guys calling the, the rate on the radio, the calling the game that's constantly happening, I wanted to that to feel like it was just coming in off the breeze at times, yeah. you know, yeah. like it was just always there. Yeah. And um I I'm I'm not obsessed and I'm not a Nets hater as much as 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 Saul is. Um I like that both teams are really good right now, which is exciting and I think good for the city. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's for me uh, it's from it's familiar in one sense. I've been to New York 3 times and in that three those three visits I've spent about a month in terms of the total amount of time. Sure, sure. And when people say that New York has a, it feels different than any city that you've been in i mean i've been around every major city in the world but i can tell you i have been to a few and new york is different
1: yeah of course of course and, I mean, of course,
0: and yeah. it is and I, and it's there is that electricity it is literally walking down the street and turning the corner and feeling like you're in a very different place than you were just yeah that's before and i've never experienced that in, in in another city to the extent i have in new york and just that 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 sense of not certain what's around the corner, and really in in just in uh, embracing that, I, yeah. I I really loved it. I've I've told my friends if I ever am wealthy, I want to I want to live in New York for at least a year. I want to experience all mm-hmm. four seasons in New York because I don't think there's any experience quite like it.
1: Oh well, I think every place is totally unique, but yeah, yeah, New York
0: is like an endless journey. I
1: mean, you it can is. live here all your life, and 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 you can walk out the door tomorrow and and experience something you've never seen.
0: Thank you so much for indulging me in this walk through uh, the world of cinema. I yeah, I my really pleasure. It's it. just a wonderful film on so many different levels. Tim Sutton. The film again is called Funny Face, and we've been talking with him about that, and also, thankfully, a little bit about Memphis, a little bit about Dark Knight, and some of the other films that you've made. Funny Face is being released through Gravitas Ventures, film distributors, and so look for this; it'll be out on April second through Gravitas Ventures uh, distribution. You can, you can, various ways you can see the film.
1: Yes, there, yeah, iTunes, Google Play, Vimeo, lots of lots of platforms.
0: Thank you so very much for spending a little time with us here on Film School Radio. Appreciate you having me back, and and I'll come back anytime. All
1: right, take care.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar.